All right, it's a new year. What fresh horrors does Haim Saban have for us? Good news! We're done with this era! Really? Oh, thank fucking Christ. terrible coda wig Yoshi Sidarso was forced to wear after cutting his hair, Ashley. And I'm Keeper's Genocide Record, Sid. And this is Rangers Plane, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. And, uh, well, we, we've done it. We have reached the end of the Neo Saban era, so it is time once again for our big gay overview. <laughs> It's big. It's gay. It's a, it's certainly an overview of an era. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, we don't have as much to kind of go off of here as we did the Disney era because, like, unlike Michael Eisner, Heim Saban's various failures are not as well documented. Yeah, like we we did try searching. If you have anything else, we would definitely probably maybe uh, j- just free tread the 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 corporate side, but it's basically like. He he sold the company. He he sold. He bought back the company, and then uh, ran into financial trouble while running it, and sold the company to Hasbro. Yeah, and he got Power Rangers back for like a fraction, like an infinite fraction of what Michael Eisner and Disney paid for the Fox Family Channel and all Saban's assets back in the day. Yeah, the it hasn't been disclosed, and I don't think the it's been disclosed yet. Um, but when this happened, the Hollywood Reporter said, uh, financial terms weren't disclosed, but the price tag is believed to be less than a hundred million dollars. So he sold Which, this whole yeah. thing for like, what, 5.2 billion? Yeah, it was ultimately 5.2 billion that the channel was, channel and his assets were sold for. Yeah, so he ends up like only having to play like a hundred million dollars, allegedly, <laughs> to get Power Rangers back. <laughs> Again, I find it still funny in, like, the Toys That Made Us episode where he's like, oh, well, I just wish I had told them that you could have everything but Power Rangers. It's like, oh, go cry into your pile of billions, my dude. Yeah, cry into your pile of billions. And also also you bought this entire thing back for, like, pennies compared to what you sold it for. Yeah, and, like, Disney just being like, yeah, sure, whatever. Whatever, get this off our hands. (laughs) It's like, yeah, um, uh, but yeah, as soon as, like, he bought it back, he decided that he was going to bring it back into the 90s and make it fun again. That was, that was something he certainly said in the toys that made us. Yeah, uh, ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we have thoughts on how successful that was. Um, this is on me for not being the best researcher, and I might add it, add it later, but uh, it is either bought in conduction, like conduction with Nickelodeon, or um, I think it's more of he found, um, I think it's actually, it's more of he found, like, Nickelodeon was willing to air it. 
Yeah, I think that tracks more, especially because, like, I know this particular era of Nickelodeon were coming kind of out at the Dan Schneider period. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, mostly what I remember Nick for around that time was The Legend of Korra, but... Oh, yeah, it was airing also at the same time as as Yeah. Parties, so... Which I'm just like, yeah, that's uh, certainly a very different tone of uh, children's programming than what Power Rangers was going for at the time. Oh, man, we really do have opinions on this. So, um, yeah, um, let's, I guess, let's get started on the motifs and just basically what this era was. And um, yeah, uh, wow, the, the 90s were sheer back in the worst ways possible. Yeah, like, a lot of the seasons, I would say the only season that does not seem to follow that trend, well, Samurai kind of does, because, you know, they're still ultimately student samurai, if that makes sense, yeah, or, or, you know, I mean, they're still learning how to be samurai, but, like, you know, they're still kind of teenagers with attitude in that case, but then, like, Megaforce and Ninja Steel go back to the Power Rangers setting of we're going to put this at the high school and they're going to be students along with being Power Rangers, just like they did in Mighty Morphin. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it just does not, uh, it does not work. <laughs> it, it, especially after uh, dealing with the fact that like, not only like Nickelodeon, but also Disney did like, yeah, they were kind of, cutes and all but you, you still had kind of like teen dramas and teen comedies mm-hmm. um this is also particularly after you know uh nickelodeon had its own network for teen dramas and just aired degrassi the next generation which is the most melodramatic shit you will watch right about teenagers but even like stuff like iCarly had conflict within their episodes yeah. like yeah as stupid as it could be like i remember like I, I was ultimately too old to be watching iCarly. Like I was just I was just out of that age range, but I watched some of like a little bit of it in college with my roommates. And there's like a whole episode where like her like Carly's granddad like threatens to take her back to like Yakima Yakima. Like it's a whole episode about she's worried that she's gonna have to give up her show and move to Yakima with him. Yeah, it's one of those things that's like, you still had conflict in these shows. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't have to have, be the most melodramatic, like, Degrassi, but, like, stuff, I remember, like, I Carly had some stuff like that. I remember, like, Zoe 101, anybody mm-hmm. remember that, um, <laughs> had kind of also, while it was mostly a comedy, there was still, like, drama and tension going on in that show. There's, of course, you know famous hannah montana uh, you know disney yeah so it's like you have stuff that you you know you you have things out there that are live action that are precedent to you don't mm-hmm. have to make this the most childish fucking shit and also it's like kids even young kids realize like they can watch high schoolers be actual fucking high schoolers not whatever this idea yeah because like wasn't that a thing during like megaforce was that constantly like the creative team was trying to get, like, have more conflict in the plot, but, like, people, like, the executives involved didn't think teenagers acted like that. 
I think it might have been, yeah. Like there's 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 like several articles and every and even just like Ranger Splain post, but I think that one was a Den of Geeks article talking about it. it's like, no, nah, I don't think teenagers act like that. It's like, yeah, t- teenagers? You mean like you are finally in the phase of life where you are becoming your own person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're starting to transform into mm-hmm. being a person instead of like being a child or yeah, a child's personality and everything, but there there's definitely a difference between like childhood and how childhood my mind works and then when like a teenager works. So you're like the cusp right. of adulthood. And you don't think that like they're dramatic or full of tension right. or whatever. So, like, you kind of end up with this weird thing where, like, you could get away with that idealized, like, version of a teenager in, like, the early 90s. But, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but especially at this point, when you have, like, so many, like, tween-focused, like, like... I mean, the ideal, like, market for shows, like iCarly, Zoe 101, Victorious. Um I'll I'll throw in Sam and Cat in there. Um again, not an expert on these shows. I just read Jeanette McCurdy's book recently. <laughs> um but in in Hannah Montana, Wizards of Waverly Place, or any of the other Disney Channel shows that I'm like forgetting right now, or you know, even Disney Channel original movies like High School Musical, Camp Rock. Lemonade Mouth, which is Power Rangers adjacent. <laughs> yes, I, watch I love so. I love Lemonade Mouth. I legitimately love Lemonade Mouth. It's a good fucking movie. But um, yeah. So like, well, like you know, they they don't go into like the deep like teen drama of like something like Degrassi. They're still like, you know, their ideal market is tweens and young teenagers who like can see themselves in some of this conflict. And so like, and And yeah, even though like, you know, that's like the target market, but you still have the younger audience who like, you know, maybe like five to nine that are also watching it. I think nine is like the very tail end of like what's considered a tween. But like, yeah. So they're like i feel like they understand that you can have like conflict in episodes they may not realize it's conflict but you can have conflict there and like power rangers just was not following that particular lead i think we got a little bit of that in dino charge like but i think that helped that they were outside of the high school setting (laughs) yeah um and, like, even when I mentioned a ninja steel, like, even older episodes of Power Rangers had conflict. Even if it was just something silly, like, you know, the, like, Happy Birthday Zack, you know, where, like, oh, the teens are trying to put together a birthday for a surprise party for Zack, and they have to hide it, and they do it, and they make Zack think like mm-hmm. he forgot his birthday. Or, like, what, or, like... Tommy, you know, Tommy really likes Kimberly, and he's like, well, how do I ask her out? Because I'm awkward. Or, you know, and then you'll have, like, the, you know, the after-school special, like, don't pollute and all that. But there's always conflict in these, in these, these seasons, and in these episodics as well. Even Turbo would have conflict in their shit. Even if it's, like, not great. And when, like, 
You're, I think I think it was during Megaforce where like they did where they seemed like they were too afraid to kind of have the teenagers like take a stance on something, even if, as far as like environmentalism, which was like a core thing of like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, it, it really yeah, it felt very centrist at times. Like we're not taking a stand on anything to you know, uh, you know we want we don't want to offend anybody, which. Normally, we we don't want to offend. Yeah, and like, because like I think the most you can get, like, since say, like, like they were taking some sort of stance in like anything. I was like, I'm thinking Ninja Steel with like either the ribbon tree thing or the um, which is kind of environmental, but like one specific yeah. tree, one or yeah. um. The whole thing about the the cop, like the the, the rent a cop and the recycling bin, and it comes from this nice. whole episode where this rent a cop is basically just proven right in terms of like his shitty behavior because we have to follow rules. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, like it just it feels like it just doesn't really want to like those particular episodes just don't really want to say anything and like. As you kind of noted here, it's like it just felt really lighthearted and like way too childish, even by Power Rangers standards. Yeah, it was just, and it it really is so funny because like the older '90s stuff, even if we're not the biggest fans of it, like they still took stances on things. Don't pollute, or you know. Um, you would have like racism is bad, even if their version you know, of racism is or... bad was like also steeped in classism. <laughs> yeah, that that was weird, but you know they they still had like something to take a stance yeah. on, you know. Um, or it's like, yeah, you're right. Like almost, it just felt very neutered on. Yeah, its stance. and like I don't know if that was Saban interference, Nickelodeon interference, but like. <laughs> Standards and practice. Yeah, it just felt really weird. And, like, I, like, I know that there was, like, you know, this is, like, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the struggles that Legend of Korra had, where they were trying to, like, make it more obvious that, like, hey, you know, Korra and Asami, you know, they're, they're into each other, and they're gonna end up together. But, like, Nickelodeon and Standards of Practices were, like, cutting them off at the knees the entire way. Like, we can't have that. I mean, they did get their way in the end, but, like, not in the way that they really wanted to. I was just thinking of Standards of Practices being like, we can't have that. It doesn't matter that gay marriage is, like, legal in majority of states at this point. We We just can't have gay people. We can't have them smooch in front of children, and I'm like, you just don't want to offend Yeah, like, you know, like, the whole thing about, like, Vic, like, Monty's actor playing Monty as gay, or Riley's actor playing Riley as gay. And, like, it's like, in, like, yeah, you can kind of read the whole thing with Victor and Monty as, like, yeah, like, this definitely seems like they were trying to play this particular character as gay and into this guy, but they probably got cut off from actually saying so on television. <laughs> I actually do believe it's in um, the whole article about, you know, queer, um, just the queer mm-hmm. history of Power Rangers, and yes, Mon- Monty's actor 
basically got a note saying, please stop it. I don't think he did, actually. Um, but yeah, that, uh, I think, I think he, I think he did, um, I, uh, what, what is, I, I hate to bring up this quote, but it's like, um, uh, I see the council's decision and it's yeah, dumb. It's like, uh, I, I recognize the decision the council has made, but given that it's a stupid one, I think it's more of like that. I've chosen to ignore it. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's what yeah. happened there. It's like, okay, that's dumb. So yeah. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> um, speaking of Victor and Monty... Man, the fucking fart jokes. Yeah, um, I get it. Like, toilet humor has a place Mm -hmm. with children. It has a place with adults. Let's just face it. Farts are the funniest thing that come out of your butt. (laughs) It's just this weird fucking sound. Yeah, and like, the right... Yeah, like, you get me on the right day, a fart joke is going to get me. (laughs) Like, it's true. It's 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 just it it so it's just it's like they overdid it. I think even a kid would find yeah, this sickening. It's just like especially because thirty percent of the humor with Victor and Monty just goes back to fart jokes, and it was just like, ugh. Like oh, not to say God. that I think there and, there were fart jokes in previous seasons, but like there was just for some reason they were just like, well, we got nothing else to like lean on so let's just dump the fart jokes on them it actually it feels like the fart jokes just started escalating towards the end of dino charge mm-hmm. season one and it's supercharged because there, there started to be more fart jokes and supercharged and yeah. all of a sudden ninja steel just just full-on fart jokes mm-hmm. so many of them to the point i'm like does an executive have a fetish yeah <laughs> yeah that's definitely a lot of you you should not be fetish farming your talent, but that's like the only explanation I, I can I can think. Or it's just like, oh, kids love fun. Yeah, jokes. like it's that you know that scene in Futurama from Bender should not be shown on television. And that entire episode is basically Bender like scamming his way onto all my circuits. And there's this scene where they're about to fire Bender, but then the executive robots roll in. And, like, it's basically just this entire joke about how out-of-touch executives are. So there's, like, oh one exec- <laughs> so there's one executive robot who's just rolling dice on, like, the, the fall schedule. Oh, my God. Yeah, I and then there's one this. who's, like, her entire job is to underestimate middle America. And she's like, it's great, but we'll get them off their tractors. <laughs> Which I will say, uh... Working at a local affiliate, uh, <laughs> yeah, that joke certainly ages well. But yeah, so like that's definitely like that's what I'm thinking, imagining in my mind is that you just have these like Nickelodeon, you just have these like children's television executive robots who like don't understand like how children, evo- how, like children of like certain age groups have evolved in terms of like how connected they are, how their humor has like been influenced by the internet (laughs) and so they're just like well kids like fart jokes like kids will totally find funny what like these 50 year old writers will found funny from their childhood (laughs) not saying that everybody who was writing for power rangers at the time was that old but it's definitely a ongoing issue within children's television programming (laughs) 
Yeah. And, um, that leads to kind of, uh, kind of the final mm-hmm. two points, um, to kind of talk about, which is, the first one is, like, just real quick, it felt like it was insulting its audience. Like, this is the first time I watched something and, like, looked at it at, you know, a point of view, you know, like, okay, I'm looking at kids' show programming mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm like, I've seen, and, you know, I've watched other things that were coming out, too, that were age-appropriate as well. And I'm like, this is, this is mm-hmm. insulting. Like, you know, there's, you know, you, you can't have stuff that's been showing up on, like, Cartoon Network or the Disney Channel in terms of cartoons that, yeah, are a little weird. Like, some of them are just straight-up humor, but, like, no, they're good. And it's, like... Or, you know, you have, you know, Gravity Falls, just to kind of go into, like, this was a show that was episodic in some ways, but had a myth Yeah, like... Yeah, that's it's so weird to think that some of this stuff was, like, airing around the same time as stuff, like... Gravity Falls, Steven Universe, Legend of Korra, yeah, as I mentioned, like, um, Star versus the Forces of Evil. Like, I think, I think Adventure Time was yeah, Adventure up a Time. Bit. Well, like, yeah, this was not Prime Adventure Time, but like, yeah, because Adventure Time would say was probably in the middle of its run by the time that like the Saban era was kind of within it, this particular era. Yeah. Because Steven Universe didn't wrap yeah. up until, I want to say, 2019? Yeah, it was 2019. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, because I went and saw the um, the Steven Universe movie in, uh, at the Plaza when it aired. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, so Steven, when Steven Universe wrapped up, like, you know, we're we're already starting into kind of, like... You know, stuff like Beast Morphers and soon-to-be Dino Fury. <laughs> um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, not, I want to bring this one up. I know people are weird about this show, but if you want to talk about something that is stupid and for kids, but is good about being stupid for kids, yes, Teen okay. Titans Go. Uh, yes. Is- I am an advocate for fucking Teen Titans Go. Like, I genuinely think that show is fucking hilarious. Like... I get it if you're watching Cartoon Network on the time and that's all that comes on. Like, I kind of get it, but it's like, I don't have Cartoon Network. I just watch it on, like, whatever. And it's like, it's so... Sometimes I'm like, ugh, but then I realize this is is for children. For children, yes. And it's like, but I don't think it's insulting to, like... No. It is very, like, clever in its humor. And, like, it's very clever in how stupid it is. Like... And, like, I feel like that's the thing. Like, also, like, when I say, like, children have, like, children's sense of humor has evolved because children now have grown up with the internet. So they kind of already get this real real warped sense of humor from hanging out on the internet all the time. And, like, people are like, well, like, the humor is just kind of random. I'm like, a little, but, like, I, yeah. That's kind of. That's kind of children's yeah, humor and these like, days. And, like, I, I feel like just a lot of people's fucking beef is just the fact that they just don't want to recognize that the show is not made for them because they remember Teen Titans, like, the cartoon, and remember when it was made for them. So they need to, like, they want to, like, think that that show should need just be permanently for them forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Uh, I'm just also thinking everyone's just clicking off the podcast yeah. now. Like, oh, you guys like that show? And it's like, look, I didn't say I love it. I'm just like, it's just, this is what children's television is like. And this is like when it's yeah. not stupid. And, you know, like the way, it's not insulting to children. It's just more of like, God, yeah. this is just weird. And that's, and I'm thinking of like stuff like regular show. Oh I think God. like regular show um, is like peak, like weird humor shit. <laughs> like, yeah. What gumball? Oh, gumball yeah. Gumball is also just like that yeah. one is also very uh, quote unquote random, but like still absolutely hilarious. And like there, yeah, there is such a way that you can do kind of like these jokes that are aimed towards children that are that are hilarious without like talking down to them. Yeah. And boy, howdy, this one kind of failed. And that's kind of like the, the, the last, the kind of other thing. And we talked about a little, there's, there's just definitely this visible conflict between the creatives that are trying to do something, whether it's the actors, the writers, the directors and the executives. Like, you know, um, honestly, reading the bit I did from Den of Geeks about uh, Megaforce, it sounded like Tycar was just kind of right. there for a paycheck. <laughs> like, he's just like, I don't, you know, but he was also like, no, like, no one cares. Because it sounded like when they brought in Chip, Chip actually sounded like he cared about yeah, things. Yeah, especially because Chip has been involved in Power Rangers for so long. Like, I feel like he, yeah. like, I don't know Chip personally. Like, I've heard some stories about him, but, like, it seems like he does actually give a damn about, like, the pro- like, what he writes for Power Rangers. Yeah, it it felt like, um, especially since I think Simon later confirmed it for Ninja Steel, it's like, some of the, like, like, Chip was great to work with, this definitely, a lot of this stuff was in Chip's decision. I, yeah, I imagine that, like, Chip, like, would, like if Chip had more power in this situation, like, these would have gone very different directions. Yeah, and you can you can really tell, like, it, it sounds like people were frustrated that, you know, they can write more with Megaforce. Um, I couldn't, there's not much about Samurai other than the fact they just had to, like, oh shit, we gotta put together right. something real quick for Nickelodeon. They right. want something immediately. So, you know, they just copied Shinkanger. Um, and mm-hmm. kind of Americanized it. Uh, and then, you know, you had, but it's like, you could definitely tell, like, Dino Charge was uh, this huge, yeah, like, spike in quality. Um, just, it's, I would probably say, objectively, there are probably better seasons out there, but, like, God, I love those characters, so it's, it's yeah, definitely a top like, love. I would put but, Dino Charge within, like, my top five, top ten like Power Ranger seasons very easily. Yeah. And same on my end. But you know, and it's just this huge spike in quality. Dino Superchargers, there was a dip. I know some people, I especially at the time, mm-hmm. were very mad at the dip. But it's like it's not as bad as some dips. Okay, guys, there is no worse dip in quality I have ever fucking seen than the original Twin Peaks run when David Lynch left in the middle of season two. I still have got to watch Twin Peaks, but I have heard stories about how much of, like, a nightmare that was. He, basically, when he came, he came back to basically just fix everything. (laughs) 
So like the la- the last couple of episodes are, are great because Lynch came back and he also just was like, I got to fix this shit. So that's kind of my opinion is you can't get any worse in dip equality than that. But it just, it dipped. And then as soon as it hit Ninja Steel, yeah, like, oh, just, it just plummeted. And it just sounded like, you know, okay, this is definitely at a high executive level um, that, you know, people want to do more with the stuff. They want to, you know, push more with the characters or actually write arcs and, and give them stuff. And it's just like, no, you can't I do just, that. No, I'm you can't do that. I'm thinking of, like, the story about Dan Diodio at DC and how, like, when 52 was running, which if you don't know what 52 is, 52 was a weekly comic series that was coming out and it was supposed to take place in this there's this time period in about 2006 where dc's Mm -hmm. like continuity skipped forward a year and which you know various crisis and convergences and all of that how much you want to regard that particular like year as canon now it's up to you but they decided to run this weekly comic series that was like focused on some of the more like peripheral characters within the DC universe. And they released one issue every week for a whole year. So like you had various storylines like Renee Montoya working with Vic Sage becoming the question. And this introduced Batwoman into like modern DC continuity. There was this whole storyline about Black Adam, which I'm sure is what sparked the whole like, you know, The Rock getting involved with that movie in 2007. Um, but, yeah. like, you had these... Yeah, no time to unpack all of that. that. <laughs> um, but, like, and there's, like, all these other storylines, too. And, like, it was running for the entire year, and it was, like, highly regarded. Like, people loved this. And, like, I think it was something that was really interesting because it's also focused on the fact that, like, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman were gone for a year. So it gave these other characters, like, space to like have storylines but dan diadio fucking hated that comic like he absolutely hated it and decided that the next year or the next time that they did this he was going to do it right and that's how you got countdown to final crisis which uh is uh not considered very good (laughs) i remember wasn't that's what i was saying is yeah people did not like countdown to final crisis and so yeah I, i I have a feeling, much like what we're talking about right now, people still do not like Countdown to Final Crisis. Yeah, so like, so yeah, because it was the same formula, but like more Dan Diodiodized, and like, yeah, like, I I just, I I have to wonder if that was like something that happened between Dino Charge and um, Ninja Steel, was that someone was like, I fucking hated what Chip did with that series. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm, I'm saying, when I say somebody, I mean Saban. <laughs> yeah, so um, I know this is back, um, again, like the person to collect all this, but I know that Simon Bennett, who's the current, um, current executive producer of the show, when he was a writer on staff, I know he talked about um, essentially there's someone very high up Sound like Saban, mm-hmm. uh, who, upon seeing the first season of Dino Charge, went, oh, this is too dark for children. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds like him. And, like, the funny thing is, is that it's not that dark at, like, it's not that dark at all. 
No, it's <laughs> it's like, though, this just has the right amount of attention for a ch- children's show of this caliber. Yeah. Was like, you know, like, like, like we like we were saying, like like other stuff was airing at the same time, like Legend of Korra, Gravity Falls, that were Legend of Korra had darker shit in it. Dear God, the first season ended with a murder suicide. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, like Legend of Korra was considered for like older quote quote children, but like it was still aimed at children ultimately. That and Avatar. Yeah, and it's it's. It's so, and it's like you're. These are all technically rated within the same like frame. TVY seven. I know Power Rangers wants to aim a little lower, like five to seven, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is not that. It's like the heroes win at the end of the season, and they go off and are like, okay, well, we we might be called back next season, but let's have a fun summer. And like Sledge is defeated. I'm like, how do you call this dark? Yeah, like, like okay. the dark. I, I guess you could say it's dark because, like, though you know, the Earth gets sucked into a black hole, but they basically undo. Well, that it. was season two, right? This is like season one. This complaint came down. Oh my god! So that's you know that's that explained why it was starting to dip a little. Was they suddenly got the complaint in season one? You know, you gotta to- you gotta do this, and it's like, uh, I guess you know, you definitely showed them. Uh, but yeah, like again, the the black hole sucking the planet up. <laughs> yeah, that's way darker than anything in season one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Keeper does uh, kill the dinosaurs, right? But like, you know, kids know that dinosaurs are dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the the only thing that would the only thing that upset was probably creationists. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just you can definitely tell that you know you particularly in those later seasons but also just just with the writing of the characters even just the actors and just throughout it it's just you can definitely tell creative side was just struggling because you know you had to please people at saban brands you had to please nickelodeon you had to please standards and practices which i i just hear as a nightmare yeah yeah like alex hirsch has plenty of like stories about how much of a nightmare disney standards and practices were to deal with i can't even imagine what like nickelodeon's was like yeah so uh, i guess to kind of sum up on all this negative this definitely um it just felt like when because i this is when i came back to being a fan Mm -hmm. uh and really initiating fandom and even then before that like and and when i was in my last semester in college towards like the summer i was i caught up with everything at this point so it's like okay and i I, of course i was just like really the bond's coming back did you guys rewatch that era wasn't that great Mm -hmm. and it's just like i hate being right uh but it was just it felt like every time one of these seasons ended was Mm -hmm. oh boy howdy that was like the worst season of Power Rangers ever. Uh, surely the next season will be better. And with the exception of Dino Charge, uh, each season got worse. Yeah, I yeah, I would definitely feel comfortable saying that. Each season, like, Dino Charge was, like, this anomaly <laughs> of, like, yeah. good in this particular era. But it just was, like, Samurai, like, dips a little further down. Megaforce, <laughs> like... Goes up, Dino Charge, like, goes way up, and then plummeting down to Ninja Steel. Steel. 
And and before that, like, you just had this kind of progression. Like, if you start with the first Mighty Morphin, ah, it's, it's a little weird. Don't marathon it for the love of God. But no, it's no, like, no. It, it definitely, like, you have this huge curve. It's like, you get to a wild forest. Okay, it dips a little bit, but okay. But it, it mostly, like goes up in quality mm-hmm. even even i would say operation overdrive is decent ish quality like people actually like that season yeah like i don't particularly like Opera- operation <laughs> overdrive but the worst i can ever say about it is that it's kind of a boring season compared to like you know some of the other stuff from the disney era but i would rather watch operation overdrive again than megaforce <laughs> yeah it's not offensively bad yeah because it's like, and then it just hits Samurai and just like plummets. Yeah. And uh, it sounded like it got back to at least a little bit Dino Supercharge quality by Beast Morphers. Which so, I, will, I will take that. I will take Dino Supercharge yeah. quality over what we had to go through with uh, Ninja Steel. Yeah, I'm like, I'm taking that. I am, I am absolutely taking that. So... But there is, there's one big positive we do want to touch on, Mm -hmm. and that was the expansion uh, into the multimedia stuff that actually did well. Yeah. Um, And as well as um, official releases of stuff in terms of DVDs. Yeah, so during this particular era was, we did get the Power Rangers 2017 movie. Which, I know that divides some people in the fandom, but I am still, like, a big fan of that movie. Uh, I, I, yeah. We, we, I, I've kind of changed a little bit on certain critiques, but overall, I still love that movie. Yeah, like, you can go listen to our episode about that back in, like, 2019. Um, but yeah, like, that, like, I thought the movie was pretty good. Like, yeah, it had its problems, and some of the design stuff was, uh, questionable, but I think it still holds up pretty well. Um... Still then, one of my favorite, favorite yeah. depictions of an autistic character. Yeah, and, like, that version of Jason is so good. I love, I love, oh. uh, is it Dacro Montgomery? I can never figure out how to pronounce his name because I didn't watch Stranger Things. <laughs> but he was so good as Jason. Like, yeah. I wish that took off versus, like, the weird, abusive, like, racist asshole he played on Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so... You know, I I really like Power Ranger seven uh twenty seventeen. Um, and then obviously, you know, we talked about it with Hyperforce. Like Hyperforce was happening around this era, and yeah. like as many issues as we had with the format, it was still like a really fun experiment into how to like tell a Power Ranger story. And like the characters on that show are some of my favorites in the franchise. Like, oh yeah, Vesper is my favorite Black Ranger. Like straight up. You really, I mean, to yeah. be fair, Vespa, Vesper is like Ashley Bate yeah. all over the place. Yes. <laughs> like, she is absolutely Ashley Bate. Um, <laughs> and then, like, um, you know, we've touched on this a little bit with the archive comics, is that around this time they did try to get another ongoing series going at Paper Cuts. Obviously, the Paper Cuts stuff didn't work out. But it did it, boom, where the series is still going. <laughs> yeah, like, it started around this time period, and yeah, boom. Boom Studios has still got the license and everything. Um, obviously, Hasbro saw something to keep with that. I'm very glad, because I, I have been liking what the comics have been bringing. I've been liking some of, also, the other stories that have been 
being told through a lot of the graphic novel one-shots that take place in the comic mm-hmm. universe. So, overall, I'm just like, yeah, this is good. Um, And then, kind of the big thing, and this was the big thing when it came back in license, was Saban started working with Shout Factory. So, the big thing for Power Rangers with that was as soon as it came back, they released this Red Ranger helmet of every season through RP, basically Mighty Morphin through RPM. And that was a lot of money. It was this limited edition one. But eventually they started doing kind of these, uh, and some of them are still available. I don't, I think they are coming out of print, mm-hmm. but uh, essentially it's like you get um, a whole, like a DVD set and it's like through certain right. seasons. Like you get uh all of mmpr you get zeo through lost galaxy lightspeed rescue through uh wild force you know you get these chunks all the way through rpm obviously mm-hmm. and then there was and considering power rangers under disney did have some dvds but i think it's like they stopped really doing that after i think either either after ninja ninja storm or dino thunder they really stopped doing the dvd releases because mm-hmm. uh, i remember having some ninja storm dvds so they're probably at my house <laughs> at my mom's rather um and then around i would say midway through this they um they were able to procure the license from toei for super right. sentai i you had I, I know and. you had a couple of those uh dvd sets I have Time Ranger and I have Hurricaneer. Hurricaneer was kind of the last one they released before, uh, and and then very recently they were able to get the license back. So, um, so they've released since Alba Ranger, and there's they're, they're going to be releasing Deca Ranger cool. pretty soon. So, um, and um, so they've re- they started with Zoo Ranger, and they basically have you know gone all the way to Deca, and I think they released Jetman um a while back too so you basically have Jetman through through deck at this point and because of that that's also i think one of the reasons why uh common writer is also getting released through shout factory because toei also owns part of the rights with common writer there's also ishimori productions owns part of common writer as well i believe and that's why you know we're having discotech i think with common writer yeah, black like i'm still in shock that they managed to get a license for common writer black yeah um i'm probably after this week's pay like after christmas paycheck because i'm getting holiday pay i'm probably pre-ordering ryuki yeah i love ryuki <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> Does anyone listening to this podcast? I, I don't think realizes. I love Ryuki. Uh, <laughs> Sid really fucking loves yeah, Ryuki. That, oh, oh my god, this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of like the big, big positive. Like, for all the shit the television show went through, I'd say that this kind of balances it mm-hmm. out. You know, we're, we're able to have uh, Power Rangers... On DVD, Sentai and DVD, we're able to have the Boom Studio comics really expand stuff. Like, this, I think, pop, like, really balances this oh, yeah. out. Well, um, so I guess we should, now that we've kind of gone over the motifs and kind of stuff from around that era, I guess let's just jump into our rankings, which, um, 
And, you know, we have some thoughts on that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> we did want to go ahead and honorary mention, just because we already talked about them, is to, we want to give an honorary mention to Hyperforce and the 2017 movie, uh, which, you know, we really did like them overall, but just due to the fact that they aren't the TV shows, we couldn't really put them in the ranking in the same way we could with, like, everything else. Yeah, so, and, um... It's kind of funny. This was this is actually a decade of Power Rangers because of Nickelodeon's really weird schedule, which I, I, there's nothing much to touch on. They had basically an entire season would air in chunks in a year, so it'd take like two and a half years to get through a season, mm-hmm. a series. Right. It was very two and a half to three years to get through a series of Power Rangers. It was very weird, very weird time period. Um. So our number one, this is going to be a surprise of no one, and it's Dino yeah. Charge. <laughs> like, if anybody's listening to this and is surprised we put Dino Charge as our number one after everything we've talked about with Dino Charge for the past, like, three years. <laughs> so, like, on top, and we have on top of the fact that, if you haven't noticed, for every, all the, of all the Saban era, uh, Neo Saban era television shows, Dino Charge got the two-parter because it would have been, like, a four-plus-hour episode. Yeah, because we love <laughs> Dino Charge that much. We considered splitting up the other seasons, but when we watched them, we're just like... There's not much to talk about. <laughs> eh. Yeah, there's nothing to talk about. I mean, there was stuff to talk about, but not in a good way. Yeah, not not in a good way. So, uh, yeah, like, my ca- our, the, the mascot of our podcast is named Coda. This was also the show that got you to watch Power Rangers. <laughs> It's true. Like, I have, like, even if Dino Charge wasn't that good, it's going to have a special place in my heart. But thankfully, it's a good season. Yeah. More than we could say about my first season, which, you know, after this year, I'm like, you know what? I was too hard on Mighty Morphin season one. I mean, it's still bad, but. It's still, it's still bad. Uh, but yeah, it is, out of all this era, it is the most cohesive season. Uh, your episodes had um your episodes had tension there was an overarching myth arc even though it was episodic so kids can tune you know th- which is what how tv was you know you tune in for possibly more of the myth arc get a good episode in all this stuff um the characters weren't all over the place with what they needed or bland slates like you can we can just talk ages about the dino charge character even if those who weren't as developed like you yeah. can still talk a lot about them like it's one of those things about like it's got good characters it's got a good actual fucking story that like carries through the entire thing and like yeah and like it definitely felt like it took the audience seriously like even if it's like hey you know you are like most of mm-hmm. you that are watching are children but like we're not gonna talk down to you yeah like, the plots were accessible to everybody. Yeah, and, like, as we've talked about, even if the second season did have a dip in quality, it still managed to hold on pretty well. The ending is still a fucking mess. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I, I think, like, the ending will always be the biggest mess of Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the ending doesn't ruin the entire series for me, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't for me. Like, I have rewatched this season so many times, like a lot of my favorites. I was about to say, uh, even, like, very tertiary characters, this is really how bland a lot of characters were in the Saban era, but, like, Prince Philip, for as little time as he came into the picture, 
I can I can give you like at least a like a five paragraph essay on Pr- Prince Philip. Yeah, I, I I can't do that about Brody. No, you really can't. Because <laughs> yeah, like Philip has like an entire like in the like few episodes we see Philip, like he does have like the first couple of episodes we see him, he does have like an entire arc that he goes through about like learning not to be an asshole and learning what it means to like yeah be a be selfless and be a power ranger. And, like, even, like, fucking James had an arc. And even James is, like, the second worst dad in Power Rangers. <laughs> no, nobody, no, like, our worst dad really is, uh, goes to, uh, Chloe's dad, Mr. Ashford. But, yes, James. Yeah, maybe that's, like, another motif of the season. Terrible dads. <laughs> Terrible dads. <laughs> well, that's one thing I will give the Ninja Steel dad is, you know, he, he did stay in their lives. They just didn't talk about it. Yeah, that's fair. Um... So yeah, it's it's overall we really love this season. Definitely the big shining spot. Um, it's 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 definitely still I think a really solid season overall. Even this and it's so funny because it's like it's in the middle of all the stress. Yeah, like I feel like if this had been a like this might have been like a, not a, like a lower tier Disney era season. Like that's still Operation Overdrive, but I feel like this would have been a very solid Disney season if like it was around that era. But like. Considering the era we're talking about. Yes. Um, but yeah, so moving on to our number two, which is Samurai. Um, I don't particularly hate this season. I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, same here. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's about, I would say, in space to last galaxy quality. Mm-hmm. And some people might fight me on this, but it's like, no, it's watchable. Like, there's good things there's bad things about it um it certainly is it, it certainly tries and it it, it actually like delivers something watchable mm-hmm. and something that like some people like i can get it if someone says oh i like samurai i'm like oh i can get yeah that. like and as you noted turns out ripping off the sentai may have been a good idea <laughs> yeah it's like looking okay I still think that was, like, Shinkanger and ripping off that. I'm like, mm, why'd you do that? Like, especially since I watched Shinkanger. I'm like, I could be watching Shinkanger. <laughs> but uh, it actually did give it a story on, like, Mega Force and just Yeah. Um, I will say, this one definitely, out of anything I've seen, it's like, whoever they got to be their cinematographer for... Uh, this season, they've really played around. There's there's just a lot of playing with more cinematic shots mm-hmm. and making Power Rangers look good and kind of using that to to overall weave the story because you, you, you get it in Power Rangers, but it's very TV-directed. Yeah. And, and um, there's nothing bad with television directing, by the way. It's its own certain flavor, but it's like, this is definitely kind of like somebody's, like, playing around. Right. No, um, uh, we kind of wanted to talk about Decker and Daiyu's story, because it's just, it's super sad, but it was overall pretty good. Yeah, okay, the fact that, like, they said that, like, the first season of Dino Charge was too dark, when (laughs) Decker and Daiyu is the darkest thing this entire era, it might be one of the darkest things in Power Rangers overall. (laughs) Yes, it's like... It is the most tragic love story. Yeah. And uh, 
this was when they did deviate from Shin Kanger, which I'm kind of glad because it actually, I liked having the original flair here. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like you had kind of a fucked up uh, t- uh, Tale of the Magi, I think is the, the O. Henry tale, where, you know. Tale of the Magi or Magi, Magi, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where basically it's like uh, the dude sells, I think, his pocket watch to get a pair of combs for his wife, but she sh- she sells her hair to get a chain for his pocket watch. Yes. So, so you have kind of this very fucked up version of this, where uh, Decker and Dayu uh, were on their honeymoon, and they get basically murked, mm-hmm. and... Dayu trades her humanity to become I forgot the bad guys in this. Um but she she essentially becomes like fully this type of like bad guy in this world. Right. So she's no longer human. Uh and she does that to save Decker's life. Well, this whole deal was also Faustian in the fact that like Decker lives and um and but he he is also like half monster and th- but also the the things they gave each other are now like intrinsical to them like the sword he got and or and the guitar she has yeah and like you and know. also the fact that he can't remember her like that's the true tragedy yeah he can he does not remember her and all he is is just seeking battle yeah and it's just like holy fuck, and then it just it it doesn't even give them a happy ending. Yeah, like that. That's the like that's the part about it. That's just the worst is that they don't get to have like a happy ending at the end of it all. Because it's like yes, I get it with the Sentai footage, especially since like Daiyu's character in the Sentai was very intrinsic to the guy becoming like the evil like big bad at the very end to squash everyone. But at the same time, it's like this is. Normally empowering, just like, okay, well, we're going to ignore that sort of, and we're just going to have Decker be human, and he's going to just find her in our original footage and give her a kiss, and now she's human. It's like, nope, he gets killed in a, I, th- I think it's the sports, like, he fights Jaden, attempts to kill Jaden, and is killed by Kevin. Yeah, like, and also, like, Kevin, like, murking him like that. I was like, god damn, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Dayu basically gives whatever human part she has to Master Xander so he can then take over the world. Yeah. They don't get a, they don't get a fucking happy ending. Like, not even but, some but, sort of, like, bullshit mulligan. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I guess uh, Tyler not finding his dad again and then uh, almost dying on a ship. That, that was too dark for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, unfortunately, even as much as we can get into with Decker and Dayu and how much of a gut punch that all was, like, yeah, unfortunately, most of the characters on this show are really flat, and it kind of just, yeah. that, like, that's where it kind of goes from, like, it's okay, but it could have been better for me, because, like, yeah, the story's really good, and, like, obviously, you have, like, this backstory with a bunch of the villains, and, like, it's it's could have really been something special, but like they just went the most bland route possible with most of the characters. They, it's basically you're looking at their Shinkanger characters, but watered down so fucking much. Yeah, like 
I would say that Antonio is the most interesting character out of all of them. And like, um, and which is like, he's such a bright spot on the show and like, but it's sometimes just like, okay, but you don't have much to like play against in terms of like everybody else. Cause they're kind of just, uh, most yeah. of them are just kind of there. And it's, it really, and, and then like the, the Lauren Sheba stuff, like, I get if they were just ripping off Shinkanger directly, like, okay, yeah, because apparently she wasn't in it for very, like, her equivalent wasn't in the show for very long, but it's like, mm-hmm. y'all could have, like, given us a little bit more time to get to know Lauren, because I think it's, you know, the super interesting that, like, uh, the, the, the Sheba family is, like, has hidden their actual person who can actually do this spell, <coughs> and then she has to come in and be the team leader. Yeah, like, that was... Uh, that was, like, you could have had, and also the fact that, like, um, I want to say his name was Takeru and Shinkanger. He was actually just a decoy they adopted. Okay. Um, he was not even blood related to Karu, and kind of the big thing at the end was, uh, Karu adopts him. Oh, okay. So he does become a part of their family. Okay. Um, but it's, like, you, you had kind of a difference there with the brother and sister dynamic. Um, you also, like, you could have... Because they were trying to hint this at the beginning with, like, Jaden's holding a secret. Yeah. But it's like, you you barely did anything, not even, like, stuff with Antonio. And, like, all you basically just had is just, like, Jaden's wooden and closed off. Kevin is very proper and very rules, like, strict, strict. Uh, Mike is uh, basically... Uh, fun-loving gamer dude and then emily and she's farm girl and mia is wants to be perfect lady and she can't cook. yeah <laughs> of course i still and... love that lauren loves her food because she's been eating like terribly her entire life <laughs> uh it, it's so funny that i do agree that like mia me and lauren probably get together yeah that's in my brain we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more later (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um it was nice to also see paul schreier as bulk again yeah it's it's all especially like you know they didn't like dumb down bulk or make him back to be awful it's like no bulk's just kind of chilling he's not doing too well looks like financially mm-hmm. uh but he's trying his best um and you know it's taking care of um his uh you know, basically what he calls his nephew spike mm-hmm. you know his spiritual nephew and it's it's nice i will also say uh felix's spike like he gets a lot of like what made narvi's um I'm sorry, Dr. Jason Narvi. He yes. owns that doctor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's the rule of this podcast. Uh, you must refer to sorry. Dr. Jason Narvi by his full title. <laughs> title, Dr. Jason Narvi. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Jason Narvi's uh, skull, like he he was able to take skull and kind of like make Spike kind of like definitely, that's definitely his kid, but also Spike's very different because yeah. he doesn't start out as an asshole. He's just kind of a dumb punk. Who's very sweet. Yeah, like, I think that's why, like, that particular dynamic as, like, having them be the, you know, the comedy duo or, like, the comic relief duo works so much better for me than Victor and Monty. Yeah. Um, and we'll touch on that more in a bit. But, like, because, like, Victor and Monty, they're just like, well, we're just going to try to replicate 
like what how the bulk and skull dynamic, but without like yeah. it's like the hollow version of, of like bulk and skull. Like, granted, the actors are doing the best they could with that, but like season definitely season one. Like, this is the only notes we got was season one bulk and skull. You wanted that back, yeah? No, and like it, like one, it didn't like the reason people love bulk and skull is that you got to know bulk and skull. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Because they actually got to grow as characters. And then, like, and, but yeah, so this particular dynamic, it's like, yeah, Bulk is still kind of a dumbass, and Spike is also a dumbass. But, like, you know, I think you still get, like, this, these other shades of, like, both of them. Like, you know, that Spike's very sweet, and he has a crush on Mia, and, like, wants to do right by, like, learning how to be a samurai, and, like, Paul, like not Paul, but like Bulk <laughs> wants to do right by Spike and like by extension Skull and like why, why, that's why he's trying to teach him how to be a samurai, even if he doesn't really know fully what that means. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite things too with with Spike was when they were having trouble. Like Bulk was it, it, it Bulk was behind on rent, mm-hmm. and Spike goes through like five jobs or something that day. To earn money so both can keep keep their place, right. and I, I, this was also like his like I think one of his run-ins with like Mia, yeah, too. Uh, outside because he it's mainly Pink Ranger, but he ran into Mia outside of like this was not because I think Mia was like, oh, I gotta go talk to this guy, yeah, and he just talks about like, oh man, I'm such a failure, and she's just like. You're not a failure because you did all this because you love your uncle. It's like, yeah. Like, how is that failure? Right. Like, you you, you stepped up and you helped him out. And I'm like, damn, where's this me? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, like, you get, there's such a humanity with, like, Bulk and Spike that, like, I think it just works so much better, like, that you can laugh at them, but you still like them as characters, too. Yeah, if it, it, it's it's like we're not just trying to copy Bulk and Skull. This is just the new iteration of Bulk and Skull. Yeah, even though even though Doctor Jason Ivory was very busy with his, I I, I think he's an apartment head, so you know, he's busy with that, obviously. So we have this his kid Spike. Yeah, yeah. Um, even if Skull does show up at the end, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So uh, those are our top two series. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, so um, we have a tie for the bottom. <laughs> for the bo- the bottom, this time is getting a tie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it because when we sat down, we 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 finished Ninja Steel, and we're like, okay, we're gonna take a couple weeks, and we're gonna see how I feel when we write this episode. And because we were like, what do we hate more? Uh, a nothing burger where nothing happened, or Clearly, this was a setup for something, and then completely nothing happened, and we were angry about yeah. it, and we just decided to just do a tie <laughs> because it's like they pissed us off for very different reasons, <laughs> for very very different reasons. So we're we're gonna start in series airing order. So we're gonna start with Megaforce. Yeah. So as we've gone on with the past with Megaforce, what upset us the most was that the series did absolutely nothing. Like. Started as nothing, ended as nothing. <laughs> yeah, and this was the 20th anniversary season. So 
this is what you did for your 20th anniversary. Like, you look like you're going to kind of retread Mighty Morphin, and you don't. Yeah. So. You just. Yeah. Nothing. And, like, even the episodes where, like, they're bouncing around to, like, treading, like, past episodes or past series. Like, the only episode I will say that actually, like, felt like it was something was the episode where they got to... God, why did I just forget his fucking name? It was the... Casey. Casey, thank you. I was like, not Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Not Cody Rhodes. Casey Rhodes. But, like, the only episode that felt like it actually managed to do anything was when the episode where they met Casey and he taught them about their jungle spirits. Like, that felt like a coda. Like, no pun intended. That felt like a coda to Jungle Fury. Like... Uh, Also, very funny. I believe that was written by his actor. Yeah. So it's, like, actually a good episode. I like that episode, but like yeah. in terms of like touching with like a rain, like what I feel like a legacy Power Rangers episode should be in terms of like, you know, you get to see these Rangers again, you get to kind of touch base on where they currently are, and like they get to pass on their knowledge to the current set of Rangers or pass on something to the current set of Rangers, and like that's the they didn't put o- that's the only episode. That- I would say from like this and Ninja Steel that seems to do that. <laughs> yeah, that it really bugged me. Like this is your your show has been on the air for twenty years. It survived near cancellation twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got canceled, and you were managed to able to not only buy it back from the company you sold it to, but find a place to air it very quickly. Like this is how established this franchise is. Right. And you just, you don't do anything to touch back on the newer Rangers, or on the older Rangers. And that that's good for the kids, too, because they don't particularly know who these characters are. Mm-hmm. So you touching back, well, that's good for the fans watching the show. Mm-hmm. And that's good for the kids who are like, well, I don't necessarily know what Mighty Morphin was, what Jungle Fury was, or what RPM was, but now I have an idea. And then, you know, when they're all, especially since, you know, it started airing on Netflix eventually, it's like, then the kid can go on Netflix and watch it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you you know, it didn't do any of that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the whole purpose of an anniversary season or any of any, especially a show that has had the staying power is to show off. Like, you know, your history, your tapestry. Mm-hmm. And even the final battle was not that great. I think I think it's because Pop Arena recently did, like, um, I forgot what he calls his, like, quick episodes where he does, like, someone suggests an episode and he does a, a review. Um, I think he definitely brought up th- that point, too, with that episode. It's like, you just introduced to these rangers. Yeah. But you don't know anything about them. Yeah, like, you see the rangers, like, really quickly, but yeah, even, like, even for this episode, like, yeah, as much as I complained about, like, oh, well, great, it's the Tommy show with, um, with Dimensions in Danger during Ninja Steel, like, you know, at least it kind of touched base with Tommy, and you at least get to know who Tommy is, even you don't really get to know who Tommy is in the Megaforce episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, Tommy just saves someone with Saba, but he shows up as the Green Ranger, and it's like, you're supposed to know this is the best ranger of all time, and it's like... You're not even showing off who he is. At least with the like, like uh, dimensions in danger. Okay, yes. As a longtime fan, I'm like, oh no, the Tommy show. At least you're showing Tommy's a big fucking deal, his history and everything. Mm-hmm. 
you're not even touching it on here. And it's so funny because it's like, I always pop to see people regardless. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's Carone. I hope she's doing well. Yeah. Oh, it's TJ and Cassie. I hope I hope they're still the biggest bros, you know. Right. And and then it's like I always love seeing Carter. I I've realized how much I love Carter these days. I'm like, oh no, I love Carter, <laughs> but I love Carter. So I was just happy to see Carter, and it's just like I wish we spent more time with them. I wish they got episodes to where they were able to to do stuff. I feel like the only time. In this decade where you had power, like, the the touch-ups, like, getting back in touch with stuff was Hyperforce. Yeah, like, Hyperforce kind of did the job that, like, Megaforce didn't do. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that. It was like, this is what Megaforce should have been, and this is also, like, what you can possibly do with having, you know, time travel as well. So, just forever, forever mad about that. Um... You also, you know, you had potentials for interesting characters, too, uh, particularly with, like, we mentioned Emma and Gia, mm-hmm. and it just flat out did nothing with these guys. Yeah, like, there's a couple of episodes where you could see, like, where, like, Emma spends that entire episode talking to one of the villains to try to, like, convince him not to, like, pull off an attack. Like, that's interesting. Or, like, the fucking gay-ass flower episode. <laughs> like, that's interesting. <laughs> Now the second gayest episode, actually probably third gayest episode of Power Rangers, there is a prom episode in Dino Fury. Yeah, it's true. I so. watched that episode. That episode was very gay. And it's all about so. basically, like, like fearing that your parents still don't quite understand who you are as a gay person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it, ha- it has a happy ending. It has Rangers. a happy ending. I promise. But, like... Oh, it's Power Rangers, yeah, so. uh, But, like... Like, yeah, that's a gay fucking episode because it's just basically about Izzy, like, fearing that her mother does not understand her particular gender expression. (laughs) (laughs) As a butch. (laughs) Yeah, she is, she is, she's, uh, I just, I just love when you remove, she removed a skirt and you just went, that girl is a lesbian. And someone's like, God, why does it always have to be about gay people? And then she, I just think, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) And it's like. (laughs) we'll get to that more dino fury next year i'm so excited to get to dino fury (laughs) y'all yeah so yeah it's just you know you had troy was like the biggest letdown because you 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 had this prophetic character you know he has a vision um, you know, he's, he's seemingly bringing this team together, and it's just like, nothing with Troy. We don't even find out his backstory. Yeah, like, all we know about him is that he's new in town. <laughs> he's new in town. I'm new in town. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and, so, like, the cast was solid for what they were given, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they were given a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, it's like you, you have new in town, nerd cool girl activist girl and uh creepy jock yep that's that's about it that's it that's about that and you could have even done jake's story so much better too yeah we'll get to that um and then yes and of course ninja steel which this was i I tried to not be like okay let ashley form her opinion because i watched this prior Mm -hmm. and i watched it with kurt and we've fucking hated the experience 
And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this one is, like, this had so much potential. Like, that first episode, those first two episodes had a lot. Okay, this is this is starting out a little like how you started out Dino Charge. Okay, okay. And then it's absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, yeah like... <sighs> It's definitely, like, the best example of why Saban is super out of touch with children's programming. Because, like, it is just like, well, we're just gonna do Mighty Morphin again. Like, exactly like Mighty Morphin again. It's like, this is not working. Like, and even dead, that's like, Mighty Morphin still had, like, character, like, the characters felt like characters. Mm-hmm. You had tension in episodes. This this was like, we're gonna do Mighty Morphin, but take out all the interesting things that made Mighty Morphin interesting. Yeah. And, like, this is another case of, like, you have a super solid cast. Like, the cast is very good at what they do. Like, but they were given a range of what I I call fuck all to infuriating to work with. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we went off about the episode about, like, like, the the mechanic. And, like, previously, it's like, what, what, what are you trying to teach this lesson to? Why, why, why? (laughs) Why? And it's like... Uh, again, like, the biggest thing that really got me, like, at least, like, one of the things Mighty Morphin did, it tied the monster to your conflict. Mm-hmm. I forgot half the monsters in this fucking series, because it's just, like, they felt so separate from the actual plot. Yeah. And, like, the most interesting, like, I would say the most interesting monsters that we got involved with were, like, when Poissandra and Sled showed up again at the end of the season, uh, end of the second season. Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, and then of course the fucking fart jokes. There's so many fart jokes. God, I will say there was less than what I thought there were, but there's just just too many fart jokes. Yeah, like, ugh, and yeah, this this like I said, this could have been a contender, and it wasn't. Yeah, like it's just it's just extra disappointing. Like, if it was coming off of like, you know, Megaforce, it would have been annoying. But coming off of Dino Charge. It's just what makes it extra, like, oh, why? Why is this happening? And it's like, wow, I can see what this team can do on a good season. Mm -hmm. Why is this suffering? Like, you know, like, like I mentioned, like, the thing with, with, like, Brody's dad, which, fuck all I can remember his name, but uh, I can even pull it up and I don't want to. But, like... You know, you had Brody reuniting with Levi, and it didn't really do much with that post them reuniting of trying to get used to being around each other. Or when finally they get back with their dad, like, we were like, okay, what happened to the dad? Did he fuck off? And then we find out last episode, no, he's been raising them. He's just not on screen. It's like, And it's yeah. like, you, you could have had an episode where, you know, he's trying to catch up with kids that he left at, like, eight and nine. It's like, they even have the signature Chiplin storyline of dad goes missing. They try to find dad. They eventually find dad. Dad must disappear for a bit. They're kind of emo about it. <laughs> like, and they do nothing with that. Like, it's just like, oh, we found yeah. dad. Oh, he's just been here the whole time. Like, he's been here taking us to school. Like, even like, as much as we clown on James Navarro, like, at least there was something in the story about like, why he had to like, stay away. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, and it added tension again mm. and all that, where it's just like, everything's solved in roses. And it's just like you had 
it, it was it was also very infuriated that the last the last episode arc was actually like the best it was right <laughs> like you had the whole fight with calvin and Haley that actually like basically broke them up for a while and you had the stuff dealing with like mick being taken over and like oh we gotta figure out how to destroy the ship you had all sorts of interesting things happen and i'm like where was this show um so i feel like we should just move on to other things because we're just gonna rant about ninja steel (laughs) and shit and let's let's talk about some happy and some other things too um so as usual we go through our favorite character suits and all that so we're starting out with our favorite characters. Um, unlike last episode, where each season had unique characters and we wanted to talk about them, uh, th- this 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 era was just kind of like the, the first big A review. Yeah. So we we have a tie um, with Coda and Sir Ivan Ozandar. Yeah. So as we've mentioned about Coda, we just like the fact that he's just th- he's just such a cinnamon roll. Like yeah, he's just the sweetest boy, and like he's just so friendly. Like. It's like I loved about when he came back to like because he was in two episodes of technically three but really two, two episodes of Ninja Steel and like I love the fact the second time he sees Preston he's just immediately like ah it's you and just hugs him which I, I yeah I know it's Yoshi and his and his brother Peter in this regard but like to me that just tells me that Coda as soon as he meets another ranger he's just like he's just like Catbug he's like you're my friends now we're having soft tacos later <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I, I felt like Coda's one of those characters where he doesn't need to have a lot of arcs or anything to grow. He just needs to be there and be this warm, glowing person. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's it's like an anchor character, as I sometimes call yeah. it. Like, he just kind of anchors everybody, you know, when, when they're being weird or something. You have Coda there to at least kind of mix, like anchor that person mm-hmm. and yeah i just i just love them like i need my cat after this guy yeah like yoshi puts in such a great performance as that because like coda it's like yeah he has like kind of the tragic backstory of like being frozen in ice and away from his family but like you could tell that he love he loves people and like he just has all these like little comedic moments that are just fucking great yeah, it, he actually did feel like uh, th- him and Ivan just did feel like they were just out of time, and they adjusted to it like you would, you know, if you because Pete that's to say it's like oh if we brought someone back here like they'll just go nuts and their head explode and okay a Victorian child would be like where's the cocaine <laughs> and like oh my god you eat what and it's it's how much in your dollars that's insane yeah but seriously where's the cocaine I have a shift soon. <laughs> Yeah, it's human brains are able to absorb things, so I really like that about them. Yeah. And that's where the com- com- comedy lied with Coda was he was out of time. Yeah, and like, a- and as you said, like the reason Coda was named Coda was for his beautiful mane of hair and his love of food. Yeah, though I found that out later. I was just like, I don't know. I it was just like I don't know what to name this cat. Um. I was really watching Dino Charge. Um, I just did not. I was like, I was originally wanting to name him Mishima. Because I, you know, Bondo and Mishima, they were two Tomohisa Yuge characters in Kamen Raider. But it's like, okay, this cat's not feeling like a Mishima. No. And um, 
his shelter name was Riley, and it's just like, okay, this cat's super friendly, and he has a very long, beautiful, like, black fur coat. He's Coda, and I took him home, and all of a sudden he's just like, is that food for me? <laughs> is that food for me? Oh, my God. I'm going to steal your food. I'm like, oh, my God. No, this is too close to home. <laughs> uh, I, I miss that goblin. We, we so. miss Coda very much. Yeah. So, uh, on to our next character, which was Sir Ivan of Xandar, which is, again, a dino charge. Uh, bombastic as shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, for me, like, and I said this when we were writing this episode, is that, for me, Ivan is one of those characters that, on paper, that he should not work. Like, this is an, a whole dino-themed season, and they literally pull a guy out from, like, the 1200s. Like, he would most likely be speaking Middle English, not Old English, like I said in the last episode. Middle English. <laughs> and, like, like, he should not work as a character, but he absolutely ends up being one of the best characters on the show. Yeah. I feel I feel like that's a mixture of of, of writing and dot. Oh yeah, like yeah, it's like yeah, it's just that perfect synchronicity of like you have good writing and you have like an actor who's just like yes, like I am all in on this. And it's just as we know, he had great comedic timing. Um, I really it's just like Ivan was just such an earnest guy, and it, I think that just helped with his comment the the comedy of that character sometimes. Yeah, because like sometimes like if you're doing a character who's kind of this purposefully ridiculous, like there's a tendency like there's this fine line where you like you could have a tendency to kind of wink at the audience about it, and like it just kind of takes away a lot of the joy. But, like, so they managed to walk this fine line of not making him too stupid that he seems, like, ha- like has no reason to be there. But it's not also not, not, not too sarcastic in terms of, like, how they're presenting him. Yeah, it's just over... It, it's like G Gundam. It is so earnest yeah. that you can't help but love it. Even though G Gundam is Gundam, but pro wrestling. Yeah. Um... And, uh, yeah, I was like, I, one of the things I did also note is, like, he was actually reluctant to join when he shows up basically as your Six Ranger. Yeah. Uh, first of all, lovely art, because you're thinking you're gonna find James Navarro. Right. Swear. Yeah, there's, like, this guy it's, you have, like, who the fuck is this guy? And it was, it was background information, too. Yeah. Like, oh, the Knight of Xandar, all this other stuff. And you're like, okay, well, it looks like an Energem, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, that's the Knight of Xandar. I really liked he was very reluctant to join. Yeah. He's like, I don't know you guys. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? But no. then he gets to know the team. And then, like, he's, as you noted, he's shippable with everyone. <laughs> oh, dear God. Like, just, just the most shippable character. Everyone, like, if, if everyone is shippable with Ivan. I feel even Kendall is shippable with Ivan. And Kendall comes off like, Hard gay lesbian. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know how they manage that, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So our honorable mentions, the rest of the Dino Charge cast. Uh, Go listen to our episodes on Dino Charge. Yeah, like, (laughs) we just, yeah, we just love, like, all, we love, like, pretty much all the characters on Dino Charge. Like, even Keeper, kind of. (laughs) Even Keeper. 
keep her special, but we love yeah. him. And uh, Antonio Garcia, we just we just love the bombastic gay fish man. Yeah, like he is the best character on Samurai, like straight up. I I hope he and Jaden got married finally. Yes, that's that that should be their ending is that they got married. <laughs> yes. So we're on we're on our least favorite characters, and I I think what's most infuriating is this character didn't have to go this way. No, he really did not have to. Yeah, unlike Rocky, Nothing Burger, and Sky, he was just an asshole. Like through his, he started an asshole. He ended slightly less of an asshole. No, it's this is Jake Howling mm-hmm. or Howling from Megaforce. Oh, this is oh my god. So. You could have done all sorts of things with the fact he had a crush. The, the first thing you knew about him is he's a jock and he has a crush on Gia. You could have had him getting to know Gia in some way. And, you know, Gia's like, oh, okay, you're kind of cool. You know, maybe. You could have had, you know, early on. Like, it sounded like they were trying to do a rejection plot. Mm-hmm. Could have had early on. She rejects him. He gets sad, but then, you know, he he's like, you know what? It's not the end of the world. You know, teach kids, it's not the end of the world to get rejected. He at least tried to ask her out, and he, he you know, he was firm about it, and, you know, it's just like, I'm just not interested. That's a good lesson to teach kids, too, especially cis men. Yes. is really good lesson to teach cis men, and then you, you just kind of deal with Jake as a character throughout the rest of the series. But instead, what they do is, like, Jake doesn't really approach her too much Mm -hmm. she kind of gets wind that he likes her tries to shut it down doesn't and what you just get is just him like badgering her down yeah till she says yes and it's just like that's so confusing when it gets to the end it's like why why does he get to get with geo and he's done absolutely nothing to like earn her respect yeah he, you know, he's he's done nothing of that sort. He just kind of forces himself in these situations. And it's like, again, you could have had those two getting to know each other. You could have had, you know, the rejection. Mm-hmm. But instead he went with that. And it just, it brought what was on, like, I, you know, Jake in the earlier part is kind of all right. You know, he's mostly, it's like, can he kiss Noah? Like, he's mostly hanging out with Noah here. Yeah. You know, and... Especially like the the one where he's just like Noah, you shouldn't try to be me because you're you, and that's what makes you great. Right. Like when they had some of those really good early Jake episodes, like oh wow, there's a good character here, and they just completely ruined him. Yeah. And I I think that's what if if you were to say like what infuriates you about Jake, it's like the everyone like minus I think the actor they just flat out ruined this character for what to have like a romance mm-hmm. and it really wasn't even a romance like i get it you want to you want to try to get that tom and kim magic but what made tommy and kimberly work was but one when tommy and kimberly kind of met it was kind of like oh he's cute she's cute two you built to it like you actually had like tommy be like oh my god i want to ask kimberly out does she is she into you? she's into you well well how do we do it you know and you have that build up and then you you kind of have them being in a relationship Mm-hmm. but you didn't do that here no like just basically like like he basically just like wears her down and like but why there's nothing here to show that he is 
earned that or like that they have like had any sort of romantic tension after he got kind of rejected. Ugh. Just it's just it's, it's just like look at look at what you did. You ruined this perfectly good character. You made him a creep. Yeah, like that's just that's all I think about when I think of Jake is just how creepy he is. Yeah. Maybe we should write fanfic where he's better and gets with no right. <laughs> like that's that's the ideal ending. I think what was it? I made the joke, uh, but now I just kind of want it with it. It's just like he kind of tells Gia later, it's like, look, I'm gay. Can you just be my beard?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Gia's like, "I get this." <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll wait till you're in college, and we'll 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 break up and stuff, and then you can date whoever you want. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So now we're moving on to our suits. Um. You know, the high point of Mega Force was they got the Gokaidra suits. That that was kind of our phase. Yeah, like I would say, yeah, out of all the out of all the suits that they kind of pulled for this particular like era, like the Gokaidra suits are the absolute fucking peak. Like they're just so cool looking. They really are. Like I think even I really cannot describe it. It's like you got the motif down right. It's not new, don't too noisy, but it's not too simple. Because mm-hmm. sometimes Power Ranger stuff can be too simple. Yeah. Like, I love, you know, I fucking love Dino Charge. Sometimes the suits are a little noisy with how they kind of look, but. Yeah. I wish the entire series was that. It sounded like a uh, rumor. It sounded like Saban did not want to deal with pirates. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't like pirates. I'm like, kids love pirates. This was like. One piece is still a deal, and one piece was a deal back then, you dumbass. Right. Like, you don't want to chase that one piece money? It's like, and like... You didn't want to chase that Naruto money either, so... Yeah, like... Like, Pirates of the Caribbean was still, like, fresh in people's memories at that point. I feel like you could easily get a pirate season. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, kids love pirates. What? Eh. Uh, So our least favorite suit... Uh, was the, the nin- this is not to be like fuck ninja steel the ninja steel suits are very noisy yeah they just don't look that good like no, there's just a lot of no. design choices like uh from ninja steel that i think just carried over from the ninja that are just kind of questionable oh yeah it's a, the zord the zords have no me- cohesion they didn't even in the ninja. Yeah, like the Zords like, have no cohesion. The suits are just kind of like noisy and like don't really do anything interesting. Like, like okay, like my second favorite suits from this entire era are the samurai suits, and they look so cool in their simplicity. Like, yeah, like with the, you know having the Japanese characters making it look like a kimono, like with the way that it like everything crosses on it. Whereas, but the Ninja Steel suits, just they're, like, super busy, they're super noisy, they don't really have, like, that kind of simple cohesion that was with Samurai. Yeah. It's like, these are supposed to be ninjas, I guess. And then, like, even, like, if you go back to, like, Ninja Storm, there was a real simple cohesion with all the Ninja Storm suits that worked way oh, yeah. better! Yeah, it's, and, and they had retractable helmets. Yeah, that too. Oh, jeez, yeah, anyway, like, I feel like 
we've dunked on Ninja Steel a lot, and we will continue to dunk on Ninja Steel for a while. <laughs> like, let's throw a bone in Ninja Steel when we touch on our favorite mentors, which we're going to go with Kendall Morgan and Mick Canick, which that, that fucking pun. <laughs> that fucking, I did not even realize that pun until we were watching it, and that was just because I forgot Mick had a last name. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah. What? Why don't we throw a bone in Ninja Steel and start with Mick, actually? Yeah, okay, so Mick is just, like, he's, you're kind of just like, what the fuck, you have a good mentor in this piece of shit series? <laughs> it's really, he was also, like, one of the few characters, I felt. Yeah, like, Mick was, like, an actual character in this show. Not, like, a pastiche, like, an actual character. He had a backstory. There was a storyline there. Yeah, and... My favorite thing is just like he he knew when to hold your hand and you know give you the info like give you be there for your information and everything but he also knew when to like let you figure it out but he might drop a hint or something yeah you know like the episode where um Haley and Sarah are like oh my god our parents are dating cringe let's break them up and Mick was like wow you know sometimes like two heads are better than one and maybe they were quite a team <laughs> just like you guys and it's just like oh we were dicks yeah <laughs> you know he's he's good at that sort of touch and it's so rare that mentors are actually like a mentor like yeah. this is how an older person can kind of be with a bunch of younger people around it's like i am here for you i'm not gonna hold your hand the entire time and spoon feed you everything but i am gonna make sure that you you are um, guided, and I'm gonna make sure that you're gonna come out at the end of this a better person. Yeah, I love the way he'll sometimes, like, not brute force the lesson, but, like, you know, he he will just put himself in a ridiculous, like, situation and, like, talk to the rangers about it and, it, like, it makes them logically see, like, how, like, how stupid they're being. Yeah, he, he does all sorts of learning. Yeah, like the, I forget what it was in that one episode where he said he was gonna go fight the monster or do some and do something else at the same time while like um Sarah was do had those like hologram clones. Yeah. And she's like, you can't do that. You're spreading yourself too thin. And he's like, really now? <laughs> yeah, really now. And she's like, oh huh. right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like I love those moments with Mick. That's why he's so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I think I made the joke that he he kind of maybe got some, like, ideas to deal with children from, like, Supernova Mama. <laughs> yeah, so Supernova Mama is a, um, she's an autistic uh, parenting educator, specifically with Positive Discipline on Twitter. And I think she also has, I think she has her own website and blog. Um, but yeah, I feel like he would definitely get his ideas on, on that from her. He was kind of like Spencer in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. Like, what if we made Spencer kind of, like, cr like a little bit more bombastic, but also, like, an actual mentor instead of he's kind of the second mentor? Yeah. I think, and yeah, I think that's a lot of the reason why Mick works as a whole. Um, and also, always good to see uh, Kelson Henderson on Power Rangers. Yeah, was this his first time back on Power Rangers in a few years, like, when he was on as Mick? I think so. I think he might have like done a voice on like on some things, but yeah, it's like it, it had been a while. Mm -hmm. 
Because he, he was like a staple in the Disney years. He showed up. It was very funny. He like showed up in Dino Thunder as like the, the trash, Euro trash producer. Yeah. And it, and then they just brought him on SPD and it just kept him around. And then, you know, I think he did voice work every now and then. But this was him back in a in a character role. Yeah. So. Um. And then, okay, so we're going to, like, backtrack to kind of who we had first on the list is Kendall Morgan, yeah. who is kind of the, like, she is kind of the secondary mentor for a lot of, like, the first season of Dino of Charge. Because, yeah. like, obviously Keeper's supposed to be the mentor mentor, but I think she's the one who takes on a little bit more of the practicality of it. Um, Especially, I, I guess, because the Keeper suit and all that was just kind of annoying to deal with. So they were just like, Keeper's there when he needs to yeah. be. Like, we're, we're leaving this in charge. Uh, you know, it's like number one's in charge the whole time. Yeah. So it's just like yeah. if you had Riker in charge the whole yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Season five Riker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kendall is like, she's in the long tradition of Power Rangers characters that should be a doctor, damn it. <laughs> yeah, like... God, I really hate it when they do this, particularly with the women roles when they're scientists. It's like, uh, was it Miss Fairweather? It's like she should be a fucking yeah, doctor. that should be Doctor Fair- or a Colonel, yeah, yeah Doctor Fairweather <laughs> or Colonel Fairweather, yeah. you know, or something. It's like no, she's Miss Fairweather. It's like okay, <laughs> okay, her and her jacked brother. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I would say that like as annoying as it was, like. I would say that Miss Fairweather and Joel had a better arc in terms of like character who's initially rejected, but eventually like they their relationship grows and the other and the other character warms up to the person she initially rejected. Way better, <laughs> <laughs> but mostly because Joel learns that women are people. yes, and like Jake never learns that lesson. Okay, no. sorry to like I had okay. to I had to go on that tangent because it just like struck me like lightning. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to Kendall, uh, my main note about her is, let's go, lesbians, let's go. She's very much a lesbian. Yeah, like, there's nothing... Also, yeah. her, her her granny was a lesbian. Yeah, like... Or was it her aunt? No, it was her grandmother. Yeah, lesbian. Yeah, lesbian. That's lesbians all the way down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's one of those things that's just like, I don't think they really tried to ever hint that she was straight. Like I, like, I think they tried to do, like, a little bit of a thing of her maybe being into, like... <laughs> heckle but like no that's that's a lesbian you're barking up the wrong lesbian yeah um <laughs> but, uh, yeah she really was kind of that good counter i, I said because she's a lesbian she could get stuff off done uh, yeah so she and, like, yeah like, that's why she ends up being a good counter to keep her the gay agenda just it was written by lesbians so you know it works so you know it works uh, um, and she also she has that arc of becoming a mentor, which I really like. She's just kind of she's thrusted into this role, yeah. like she's definitely the brains of the operation. But because Keeper is not available a lot of times, she has to be that personable. Because Keeper is a little bit more personable, than yeah. Her. And it's just like she has to be that type of person sometimes. And she learns to warm up with everybody. She eventually learns to accept Shelby. Um, and I really love that she gives Shelby a priceless fossil, fossil, but then realizes, like, you don't gift poo to me. Yeah, like, which, regarding that, you noted her as an autistic mood. 
It's, that's definitely like, okay, you would definitely love this fossil I have carried. It's a poo fossil. Because, <laughs> yeah, she is very empathetic. It's just that she kind of, I think she does struggle with how to show it. And, yeah. like, and I think she also kind of has to learn sometimes, like, yeah, you may be very smart, but you're not the smartest person. Like, you may be the smartest person in the room, but that doesn't mean that you know everything. And that doesn't mean that yeah. you can count da- talk down to people. Yeah. Um, Because, like, I think that is a lot of her early arc with Shelby is that, like, she she really, like, looks down her nose at Shelby um, and mm. Shelby's own autistic enthusiasm about dinosaurs. Yes. Um, But, yeah, she's just very, like, like a lot of the Dino Charge cast, she's just a very overall memorable character. And, like, her also, like, the episode where she gets the purple Energem is just one of my favorites because, like, she's just, like, immediate, like, no hesitation. She's just, like, I have to do this. I have to, like, yeah. save this Energem and, like, help the Rangers save the day. Like, even though at that point she has no superpowers, she's just kind of, she's just there to help them. Yeah. So, yeah. And. So now, okay, so we normally do least favorite mentor. We normally are like, this person's fucking sucks. But this is more of like, wow, you suck at your job. Yeah. Like, we don't hate them. Like, like this, this, it's not like we see Sky and say, fuck you, or Andrew at Hartford and say, fuck you. This is just more like, you're kind of just more of a bad mentor. Yeah, you're just not very good at this. Like... Yeah, our our starting one is like much like the rest of Megaforce. Gose is just he's absent. <laughs> he's there, but he, is he, he really, he really he's is. there? But is he really there? He's he went out for a pack of smokes and never came back. Yeah, that's his energy. Yeah, you know, it, it was like go on, girl, give us nothing. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just he was just there. Yeah. And like you noted, it's just kind of a bad idea to kind of like have a a mentor who really does nothing at all when you like choose a bunch of teenagers who are kind of randomly selected in order to save the world. Yeah, that's what gets me is I feel like Zordon, Zordon and Alpha kind of randomly selected the teens, but in the episode you see it's like, okay, um, you know... They're brave, they're smart. Billy might be a little weak, but it's like these are obviously friends. They're they're heroic in some way, even in like minor very minor ways in which they defeat Bulk and Skull. Mm-hmm. But you get it, and you got okay, I get why Zorda may have randomly selected this group of five. This one is just like Gose was just like, ah, just give me five teenagers. It's like fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. You know. Oh, some of you are friends with each other. Oh, that's oh thank yeah. God. um and then of course our other one is it's just keeper because like oh buddy like he's not bad in terms of doing actual mentoring like he's good at he's good at advice sometimes and he very clearly cares about the rangers oh yeah he's he's definitely the more (laughs) empathetic of kendall but like wow like (laughs) You, uh, fuck things up a lot. Yeah, you're the reason why the dinosaurs are dead. Um, you're, uh, you got the, you basically got the world sucked in a, a fucking hole. Yeah, sucked into a black hole. So you had to, like, you had to get the rangers to time travel to fix 
your two genocides. Yeah, and like, <laughs> it splits off into a whole other timeline. <laughs> Canonically. Because, canonically. Because you were the, it kind of makes me wonder, it's like, did they time travel and just made a new timeline? Or is there like a timeline where this, the Earth's gone? Yeah, that's the thing. Especially after like, I'll touch on this in a bit after rereading Sins of the Future, where there's like six different like fucked up timelines happening at the same time. <laughs> Keeper is responsible for one of yes, them. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> like this, yeah, one of like, those universes is the black hole one. <laughs> yeah, it's like Earth's not there. Oops. Um. Yeah, it's, it, as we noted, genocide. So much genocide, like. You're a good dude keeper, and you're doing your best, but oh my it's god. It's like not even purposeful genocide, just like accidental genocide. <laughs> no, genocide. <laughs> He's just like, oh fuck, I killed all the dinosaurs. Oh fuck, I uh, got your planet sucked up. I'm sorry about yeah, that, guys. Like, whoopsie. <laughs> Which is just like, okay, yeah. also in like the timeline, it's like, sorry, the, the fucking dino charge timeline just like, it just makes me overthink every time. It's just like, so how did Earth change that, like, you ended up not having, like, another mass extinction event for the dinosaurs that they could, like, exist alongside humans? I don't get how that works. They only had a minor ice age, not a major ice age. I guess, yeah. Cause, Maybe yeah. a super volcano erupted, causing a minor, like, a minor ice yeah. age. Yeah, and then you didn't have, like, the, you know, you didn't have, like, the uh, asteroid crashing off of the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah, which causes, like, the major Yeah. Thing, so. So. Dang. Yeah, so, kind of going on to that, we did kind of want to touch on stuff, some stuff we missed in previous episodes. I am very mad at myself mm-hmm. for missing a chance to refer to very old cut, like, deep cut Lonely Island stuff. <laughs> because Ninja Steel is just that bad. Right. <laughs> but there's, like, this episode, they have a monster something called Koblamo. And all I could think of was their, this is like from 2001, their song called Blammo, where it's just about like, it's a, it's a slightly nonsense song, but it's basically like, uh, some stuff kind of stinks, but hey, this is a good thing. That's called Blammo. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very early version of what ended up being, like, something that reminded me of Me Likey That from the, um, Popstar soundtrack. Yes! Yes, it's very similar to Me Likey yeah. That. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like there's the last verse is like about mining for coal but you forgot what coal is and you're you're sure to get fired because that's your job <laughs> yeah like i did watch that last night after we wrote the episode and it's it is very that <laughs> not kablamo like not kablamo yeah power power interest ninja steel is not kablamo <laughs> Okay, so, um, and then something- You wanted to talk about Sense the Future and Soul of the Dragon. Yeah, so, I meant to do this when we were going into the Hyperforce episode, but I ran out of- I, I totally forgot and ran out of time. And I nearly did it again today, um, but I, I, I crunched I crunched both, um, and they, they're, it's not like they're long reads. So, what I meant to do for the Hyperforce episode, and no, it's not exactly Neo Saban, but it is Neo Saban, is I meant to reread Sins of the Future and Soul of the Dragon. Uh, just to kind of put them more in the timeline. Because 
I think Sins of the uh, Soul of the Dragon does has deals with Hyperforce a little bit less, but like still has some ties to it, like Scorpina and Lena Song. Even though Lena Song is just like she's in the background of one panel. <laughs> <laughs> but like I meant to go back and reread them and just sort of like, okay, let's just put these in the timeline, have a better understanding of what was going on here. Um, and I think Soul of the Dragon still helped to reread after that last episode of um, of Dimensions in Danger. Um, well, first of all, uh, Sins of the Future, yes, it is absolutely a like hyperforce prequel slash sequel slash concurrently running story. <laughs> because <laughs> i think you like most time travel yeah stories. it is is absolute time travel bullshit i don't think we really like processed how much time travel bullshit is involved with sins of the future um when we first read it but after reading hyperforce you're like okay because like like jen kind of fucked up the time like part of her timeline because she kept going back to see wes and then like there's this whole like loop that she has to close with Alex's sister Syra because Syra comes from a timeline where Alex didn't come back to life and so she keeps going to timelines to try to correct it and she keeps fucking it up and then Nadira from the Hyperforce timeline comes in and rescues Jen because <laughs> Jen at this point is being proposed for the Hyperforce project Oh my god. So, like, Jen has to, like, Nadira has to come in and rescue her. And you see Nadira and Rancic from the Hyperforce timeline. And, like, you know, Rancic is completely healed from, like, the Zordon, from the Z Wave. Well, no, it wasn't the Z Wave. He wasn't involved in the Z Wave. No, it was Finster that was was involved in the Z Wave. I'm getting mixing up everything, but he had, like, the. it was, it was with when, uh, like, the orc, the mute orcs took all the mutinous. That's it, yes. So, like, he's completely healed, and, like, he's Director Rancic now, like he was in Hyperforce. And then you see the picture mm-hmm. of Joe Shi, like, in the foreground of, like, <laughs> two of the panels when Nadira pr- brings Jen back to her time, like, her timeline. And, like, she uh, refers to him as, like, her her pretty green songbird or something like that and talked about, like, yeah. oh, clearly, I might recognize, so, like, something here that he talked about previously. Like, it's just such that. And it's just like, yeah, so there's like these six, an Alpha 55 shows up. That's important because he is baby. <laughs> He's baby. We love Alpha 55. But yeah, so there's like six different fucked up timelines happening at the same time. <laughs> it's just like, okay, everything in the Time Force future is fucked. It wasn't just Hyperforce that fucked everything up. Some of it was just Jen. Some of it was just Jen. <laughs> And then some of it was Alex's sister. Yes. So, which they did, like, clear up the Alex's sister stuff, at least. So we have that. Um, yes. And also, Dr. Ferrix is truly uh, Power Rangers' greatest monster. Like, what the yeah. fuck, man? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like, he's canonically responsible for the mutants. Like, he got, you know, he created his robot children, um, he was experimenting on Eltarians, uh, with the Morphin Grid. Uh, he's also, I think he's also responsible for bringing Alex back to life, along with, um, 
why did I just space Chloe's dad? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh my god, man, you are just history's greatest monster. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. that's basically what I learned from Sense of the Future is that Dr. Ferrix is just truly history's greatest monster. Um <laughs> And then Soul the Dragon. Soul the Dragon is just kinda was kind of bittersweet to read reread after JDF passed away. Um, because ultimately that story is about giving Tommy of, I guess, the main Power Rangers timeline, like, an actual ending. Obviously yeah. we have so many fucking Power Rangers timeline at this point, as I just even just mentioned with Sins of the Future. Um, but, like, it, it it is trying to give one version of Tommy, and I guess, you know, the Tommy that we were talking about in Ninja Steel, an ending. Because he has the Master Morpher, JJ is mentioned... And he's just yeah. kind of dealing with this whole, like, it's like, I am old. My body is breaking down. Uh, I don't even have, like, a day job anymore. Yeah. So, like, it, it is trying to give, like, some sort of ending and closure to Tommy and, like, giving, like, more of a backstory to JJ. Who's at that point, which mm-hmm. is a character that was mentioned, like, briefly in, um, yeah. in Power Rangers canon. And, like, it does have some ties, again, some ties to Hyperforce because it kind of touches on what happened to Scorpina after she left, um, left everything that was going on with Hyperforce. And kind of what every, uh, everything that happened, like, with her getting, like, sucked into the Talos dimension and having to serve Lokar and not getting involved in the Z-Wave. And then, obviously, you see Lena and you kind of touch on what was happening with SPD after everything we know about SPD. And yeah, like it, that one's not super tied to Hyperforce, but it's still an one interesting to read after Hyperforce and Ninja Steel and just it is kind of just yeah, just it even in low like Jason's consulted on that when he was still alive and it does kind of delve a little bit into Tommy's like Tommy's the most badass Power Ranger that ever lived like it's just still kind of bittersweet to kind of read because it's like I mean Tommy gets that ending I think is kind of what it comes down to is like Tommy gets that ending and JDF is just no longer here and doesn't really get to grow old in that way and now you remind me when uh, on that like raw interview mm-hmm. um, that Joshua Moore posted when you know when he was writing just a piece for uh, Lexington's paper mm-hmm. about their uh, comic convention, and he talked the one of the things JDF talked about it was he was looking forward to growing old. Yeah, he was looking forward to his fifties, and um, uh, now that. I weirdly miss yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's the that's the whole thing that I kind of come down to. And we talked about like last episode was just that. Yeah, he was kind of an easy person to you know tease and roll your eyes at, but like even now it's just like I kind of yeah, kind of kind of miss him. Like he was yeah. just such a constant in Power Rangers fandom that you couldn't help but kind of no matter how you felt yeah. about him, you at least had like. You knew JDF was going to yeah, be there. Yeah, you knew JDF was going to be there, and it's it's just weird that he's not. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's go talk about something. <laughs> yeah, because you came up with a recent headcanon that I was immediately like, you have to, like, share this on the podcast. All right, so 
Um, George informed, we have a group chat, and George informed us that, um, Emily's, that's her name, Emily's actress, Brittany, just got engaged to her girlfriend. Yes. And, you know, it's just like, oh, damn. And they're super cute together and everything. This is like, this was announced on Instagram and stuff. And, um... I made the joke that it's like, oh, that's that's why she couldn't act straight as Emily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, we know, you know, we were just, I think we we're just like talking shit about the whole Emily and Mike thing, and I was just like, well, you know, you, we could just, it's like, well, you know, Mike could just go down the ultimate gamer boy hi- pipeline, which is gamer boy to e girl streamer. <laughs> You know what? I think that's a better ending than what would happen. That's fucking. This is Mike's. Mike's like, I'm trans and I want to be a streamer. Can you help me with my makeup? Can you help me? And I even like found an e girl like like makeup look. It's like Emily. Can you help me out with this? And I just feel like, oh, let me call Mia. She's actually better with makeup. (laughs) Shout out to to our friend Chrissy Mm -hmm. who who went through this pipeline recently she's on hrt now and you can check her out at a uh, new york snark exchange so yes exactly <laughs> i i just i've known so many trans girl streamers that they just started out as gamer yeah i wouldn't say christy is not just like that like i met her in cosplay yeah. context like first uh, time but- i met her she just immediately asked if she could borrow my hawkeye bow <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, but it's just so funny to, it's just like, it's like that one comic's like, you're a girl, yeah, a girl who plays video games, yeah, can you teach me how to be a girl too? <laughs> <laughs> oh. That is, that is, so many gamer, so many gamer girls come from that pipeline. We know quite a few. Yeah. It's true. Though I don't think Reagan was a streamer prior. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, we know this is, this is Mike's future is Mike's a girl. Yep. The end. I, I will, I will co-sign uh, that. <laughs> yes. Why do you talk about trans people so much? I don't know. Maybe I'm trans. If you listen to the older episodes of this podcast, <laughs> it sounds like a completely different person. Uh, <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, you sound like so, my obnoxious child. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is to explain some other day our, our last thing we kind of wanted to touch on uh we did not realize how much this tour would take off when we first made it because I, I think it was like mystic force or something we were goofing around yeah, with it like it was like in the we were in the middle of the disney seasons i think yeah we just like i think we were just making the constant joke about I want to say it was either Mystic Force or it was uh, Operation Overdrive, yeah. where we were just making uh, it was because it was either if Donna was just sometimes she was just in the mood of being one black coffee and leaves or a Spencer. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, and so we just came up with this chart, and it's based off of a John Mulaney bit. I know he's kind of a weirdo, but this bit just goes forever, and it's basically. Where he talked about, you know, being in a car with his dad as a child and, you know, him and, uh, you know, a bunch of kids are screaming McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's at him. 
he pulls into the McDonald's, orders one black coffee, uh, and leaves. And that is the coldest thing you can do to children, is go up to a McDonald's (laughs) while they're screaming for McDonald's, order just something for yourself and leave. So we created a chart of the mentors, which is basically, we have food at home, uh, McDonald's, 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 and then, like, at the one end of this triangle is uh, one black coffee. Yes. So, and people really liked it. The One of the actors who played Zordon ended up finding it. I think it was uh, Felding found yeah. it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're known for this. Um, so our update to our McDonald's chart is we, we decided G is between one black coffee leaves and we have food at home. He's mostly we have food at home unless it's Mike. Though. Oh, yeah. With Mike, he absolutely will pull into McDonald's, get one black coffee and leave. <laughs> He's just like, no, Mike, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, Ghost Day we just decided is just goes off for a pack of smokes and never comes back. He really is that. Uh, Kendall is definitely between one back coffee and leaves and we have food at home. I think it just depends on where her character growth is. Yeah. Um, Keeper accidentally destroys the McDonald's while trying to save it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's very, Keeper's not any of these. He just accidentally destroys the McDonald's. We decided Jack was our hyperforce mentor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's technically Jen, but we decided Jack is more of the mentor. And he he's just very firmly, we have food at home, guys. Unfit is the replicator that Chloe keeps making burritos with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe's the one shot at McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> Mick is just firmly, McDonald's, McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> he's so happy for making McDon- McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, we're back to we're now with our audience questions. Yay, we love audience questions. We love them. So our first audience question comes from our friend Kate, or who's at a marauding Kate. Uh, so we she asks, which ranger from the Neo Saban era would you least be upset about being trapped in an enclosed space with? Uh, I I said Coda. I uh, Coda would just not make sure I would be freaked out by all this. I'd probably have a new friend by the end of it. He, he's a very, very nice guy. He, we even see this with like that kid he gets trapped with. He's going to help you yeah. out. He's going to help you yeah. through. Um, so when I read this question, I wasn't certain if it was a logical question or a horny question. So I had two answers. So my horny answer is probably either Gia or Kendall. Logical answer, everything Sid just said about Kona. <laughs> And I was in the middle of this. This is how ace I can be sometimes. I was like, oh, we can do horny answers. <laughs> like, my brain was not thinking of anything horny. Like, oh, just Coda. Uh, but if I if I wanted to have to be in an enclosed space with someone, it, it's Ivan. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Ivan definitely seems like he'd be fun to be in an enclosed space with. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> he'd just be like, hi. I, oh, oh, this is... We're in a close space together. This is, this doesn't, I don't like this. And then he just start talking to me. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a sexy knight. It's like, yeah, exactly. I've done many orgies on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this right before Christmas. So it's appropriate. <laughs> it's, it's appropriate. Um, Griffman, uh, they asked, which shout out again. Thank you for your patronage. Uh, do you agree that they were cowards for not giving Levi the burger morpher? Uh, absolutely. Um, I I feel like they were just, like, looked at the whole burger thing, because Levi gets it a little bit. 
Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Levi's equivalent in a ninja uh, uses a burger morpher for a phone. And you kind of see it briefly with, like, Levi using it to take a selfie. It's also the the character is obsessed with selfies in the ninja. Uh, so they had this whole setup with Levi likes burgers. He has a burger morpher. And then it just felt like we went, no, nah, that's too stupid. We're not going to use the burger morpher. And I'm like, bitch. You just, several episodes ago, you had Victor and Monty in a fart balloon. How is a burger morpher more goofy than that? Yeah, I'm going to sit on this. I'm also going to say yes, because that, that would have been an actually interesting aesthetic choice for this dumb fucking show. Because, like, yeah, they keep hinting, they keep talking, it's like, oh, yeah, like, Levi Weston and his famous burger phone. Like, like that. Let's let's touch on that. Why not use that as a morpher? Why not bring that in more? But apparently they were just too afraid of having anything interesting on this show. So, fuck it. Cowards. Cowards. All right. And then Allie Patton, uh, who's at Patton Drugs, asks, why is or isn't Lauren a gay icon? Um, I feel like she is, um, because it consists of, like, every, like, a lot of fandom gays, Mm -hmm. like, god, so many fan. even ones we don't really talk to, like, it just feels like we love Lauren, Mm -hmm. and we feel like she should have been used more. Yeah, I will add my voice to the gays who love Lauren. She is one of the best characters in Samurai, and the fact that we barely get any time with her feels like homophobia. She gets married to Mia, though, in my yes, opinion. Yes, in, in my brain, too. like, Mia learns to be an even better, like, learns to be a better cook, and then, like, Lauren is just like, marry me. <laughs> marry me. Oh, my God. And it's like, yes. We gotta do Mike's makeup now. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody was- Mike's still Mike. Yeah, <laughs> in, in our head, everybody in Samurai ends up gay and happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's our, that's our head cannon for a lot of Power Rangers, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've now reached to the uh, how it ended, and um, yeah, it's I I really do feel bad because like la- like our Disney era stuff. There was so much, but again, it's because like Disney is well documented on stuff. Eisner's whole career is well documented, but it's like this just kind of it just basically big old whimper. Uh, the movie. Uh, which we did briefly touch on, but not too much. It tanked. It, it was a box office bomb. People point to a lot of reasons. I do think one of the reasons is, like, aesthetically, because um, they marketed heavily. I think aesthetically, maybe they should have picked an aesthetic and stuck with it. But um, it it just it tanked, uh, and it was such a loss that it actually hurt, you know, Saban owning the franchise. Yeah. So he ended up selling it to Hasbro, uh, Hasbro, uh, more than when he bought back from Disney. Wasn't as much as he sold it to Disney, but it was like five, it was like 522 million. Yeah, that's still, uh, is what he's, that's still a lot, yeah. That's still a lot, and more than what he bought back, and I think it's because, you know, one, it's not Michael Eisner he's selling this to. Michael Eisner during, like, peak insanity years, um... But also, like, Hasbro does, but the reason why it was worse was Hasbro does recognize the worth of this brand. Like, Nickelodeon, I think, wouldn't have pounced on it so early if they're like, oh, shit, the Power Rangers brand? That makes a lot of money, like, a lot of money, toy money. Yeah, and, like, 
that's the thing to consider with the Disney era is that it, Disney was not necessarily buying was not buying just Power Rangers. Power Rangers was just part and parcel of the deal of buying ABC Family. Yeah. Um. So they just they just didn't want any of these shows. Yeah, pretty much. Like I think the fact that they even did things with um with Power Rangers and like there was so much in the uh, Saban catalog that they could have done anything with. Been the fact that they were just like. Most of it, no, but Power Rangers, yes, because it, like, it at least got good ratings and brought in some toy money. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Hasbro but- definitely, like, they, like, we had this all, you know, that hubbubaloo recently about they were selling off, uh, I think, E1 Productions. Yeah. Um, but, like, for them, like, they listed Power Rangers as a priority brand. So yeah. they they that at least consider that like yes this is uh, something that we consider a priority to keep in house with Hasbro. Yeah, it's it's one of those things they're just like yes, um, they definitely wanted this because they knew it was you know definitely a money maker, um, and yeah they they definitely like, like you said it's a priority brand for them and it's obviously making them money. Yeah. Like. Despite people complaining about their toys constantly. Yeah, that's... Yeah, um, I was about to say, like, you can complain about the lightning <laughs> figures all you want, but the lightning figures still make a lot of money. You buy them, even, yeah. after complaining about them so yeah. much. I'm so mean. I shouldn't be so shady about that. <laughs> the fan- I get people that complain about them and just, like, well, I'm just gonna buy my favorites, because that's how I am about them, but it's like, some of you motherfuckers keep buying them. Like, you don't. Like, Oh, like, like just because you want to collect yeah. them. But, yeah. Um, and the funny thing is that Saban Films still exists as a production company. Yeah, that's a weird thing we found out researching this episode. Yeah, they, they've been producing stuff, at, like, as of this year. And it was, like, funny because it was, like, recently we were talking about it. And I was just like, I know I saw something recently where I was like, Saban Films produced this? What? And, like, Sid initially pointed out, oh, yeah, they did the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Yeah, one of the weird things before he sold Power Rangers was, yes, he did. Yeah, and I was just like, help produce that. like, okay, I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar, but, like, that's not it. That was not the movie that I saw, and I could not remember, and then I was going down a list, and then it was just like, I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, it was Rob Zombie's Three from Hell! <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you don't it know, is... is the sequel to The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> yeah, it's produced all sorts of weird movies looks like a lot of horror and weird schlock one i ended up finding called echo boomers and i'm like that nobody that was never the term for millennials like they for those who don't know that was the when they were trying to decide a name for mine and ashley's generation Mm -hmm. one of the ones that floated around was echo boomers because we a lot of us were children of baby boomers (laughs) you're not (laughs) but i was that is true i've met your parents Yes, um, but they decided millennials because you know we were at the at dawn of the millennium yes. type thing, and um, I'm just like, okay, that's a weird title for a current movie, but also like Arnold Schwarzenegger's sons in it. <laughs> I think his name's Patrick. Yeah. Like that was fucking weird. And I think Saban now also he produces uh, music in Israel. Yeah. He went oh, so. He went back from to the music industry yeah. where he started. So uh he stayed on as a consultant through Beast Morphers. That was kind of his like 
part of the buying was he was to oversee kind of stuff going through Beast Morphers and then basically you're off creative. I've heard kind of mixed bag on Beast Morphers, but again, it just, it sounds like it's like at worst, like second season of Dino Charge. So I'm okay with yeah. that. And, um, and now we have, so while we didn't put Beast Morphers into this, it is, it is because Beast Morphers was like, it's a Hasbro show. It's just a transitional show. Yeah, it's similar to how we kind of did the designation between what consisted as a Disney era. Basically, it's anything Mm -hmm. where like, like Saban was still involved in pre-production of Wild Force. And I think most of production as well. Yeah, and like, I think they, because they bought, yeah, Disney bought, um, abc family and then the saban assets in the middle of time force so like time force rangers would be in the parks whenever when disney did own it and would put the rangers in like parades and stuff but like he was still involved in that production he was still involved in the wild force production so that's why we considered those saban era and then the start of the the disney era clean was ninja steel like not ninja steel the start of the ninja Ninja Storm. storm yes ninja storm Mm. Um, but for this, since he was only on as a consultant for Beast Morphers, and at that point Hasbro had fully owned the property, we're gonna just consider that the start of the Hasbro era, as it were. Yeah. Which is still ongoing, so our coverage of that is not gonna be quite as, uh, eh. I feel like if if it comes, if it goes to a decade point, we'll do, like, an overview at that point. Like, the decade so far yeah basically um but yeah at this point we'll get we're gonna get to beast morphers soon we'll we'll more on Mm. that later (laughs) more on that later um so here are our thoughts on this era um it is as of the recording of this podcast my least favorite era and i think it will (laughs) i think it will be solidly my least favorite era uh, even, like, a decade behind. Like, I am not watching this fresh, you know, every day. Like, when it's coming out every week and, like, getting disappointed and everything. Like, I can easily say it's one of the worst. Uh, the first Saban era, it felt like it grew with TV trends. Even if some of those seasons weren't so great, it, it still like felt like there was a progression, like I mentioned. Um, so, watching those, going back and watching those, there's something to enjoy... Uh, even if it's just nostalgia. The Disney era has still been my favorite decade of Power Rangers. Uh, almost everything is solid. Even the bad seasons are just nearly okay. Uh, this one, though, it's just like, TV-wise, it felt so grating. Uh, felt like ten steps backwards. They dumbed things down so much for children that it actually felt insulting to your audience. Uh... Almost none of the seasons had any tension, not even at an episodic level. Uh, the only two that did were Dino Charge and Samurai, and Samurai was only because it was copy and pasting Shinkanger. So, while well, a lot of the outside media was starting to come in here, like the comics and stuff, uh, and that was generally good, the TV show suffered so much, and I hope we never have to watch another episode of this ever again, unless it's Dino Charge. Yeah, honestly, this year the podcast has probably been the biggest overall slog since we started. Sure, we were delayed on Hyperforce for several episodes, but most of this particular era of Power Rangers was just kind of bland. 
and that's being nice. Putting aside Dino Charge, which somehow feels like this growing inexplicable anomaly the more we talk about it, most of these seasons feel like Saban thinking he knows how children's programming works in the 2010s, but then forcing it even harder when it's clear that he doesn't. Most of the characters feel like bland pastiches, the plots are uninspired, and any potential for something interesting seemed to get smothered in the cradle or was happening outside of the TV show sphere. It honestly makes me kind of upset because there's so much potential in a lot of this, and like it overall amounts to a decade with one good series to show for it. I'm with Sid. I'll be glad to get this behind me. All right, that is the end of this episode. So, as always, we want to thank Kate Nix for our theme song. Currently, her site, katenix.com, is under construction. However, her link tree under I Am Kate Nix links you to her band camp, sorry, band camp, and streaming site, katenix.tv. She does a bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on month, you can check out her show's Instagram, It's The Lounge. Uh, you can watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. She also has personal accounts using Zenitac, which is just Kate Nix backwards, if you want Flair and Winslow the big piano-playing cat. We also want to thank Joe Hunter for the art that you see every time you listen to our podcast. Uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter. On Instagram as Joe Bloody Hunter. Threadless at JoeHunter.Threadless.com. And Patreon, which is also Joe underscore Hunter. Um, you can, he's also, uh, working on Beast Heart Strikers with Land Pits, which you can download from Comixology, as well as find it in the backup issues of Radiant Black. Uh, I will double check the issues probably after I, after this, re-record this episode, (laughs) (laughs) but we'll have that actually better, uh, uh, typed out for next in the future, but Radiant Black, you can pick up from your local comic book shop or on Comixology. Uh, Kurt Yoder, we always want to thank him for editing our podcast. You can find him on Twitter at the Great SG or his uh, t- Pixels account, which is Great SG Pixels on Twitter, and the Great SG creation or Great SG Creations on Etsy and Square. And thank you for to our five dollar patron Griffman. I thank you as always for your support. We appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon at Ranger Splain if you want to support the podcast monetarily. Uh, for Wrestler the Podcast, you know, with just how weird this episode was and how we've done so many uh, wrestlers we don't actually care about, we wanted to put over a wrestler we really like and have not had a chance to yet. So we want to put this on with the Mac of all trades, the highest ranking independent wrestler in this year's PWI 500. That's right. It's AC Mac. He may not be IWTV champion at the time we're recording, but he's champion in our hearts forever. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at ACMac as well as on Instagram. He's great. We love him. He's the best heel around. Even when he's not being a heel, he's our asshole. <laughs> he, he's, he's, our, he's the best face and heel. Yes, exactly. Both of it is, he's our asshole and we love him. Yes. He could beat up your, your favorite. Yeah. Uh, and as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, as long as Twitter is still hanging around, at, at MissKittyF. You can also find my link tree on my uh, Instagram account, which will take you to my stores and in other various places you can find me on the internet, including ashley-lequel.square.site. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Velociriker. This is given if Twitter is still around. I'm also on Tumblr on Velociriker. I occasionally post on Tumblr, so if you want to check me out there. As always, uh, I have Coda's Magical Crafts, which you can find me on Etsy. Um, 
Twitter and Instagram, uh, as well as TikTok sometimes. And I also have a Square store, kodosmagicalcrafts.square.site. All right. And then for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Rangersplain. As I previously mentioned, you can find us on Patreon as well if you can support us monetarily. Uh, if not, that's fine, too. We'll, uh, and you can find us on WordPress at rangersplain.wordpress.com, where you can find all the show notes uh, referencing all the weird things we talk about here. If you can't support us monetarily, if you are listening to us on a uh, platform where you can rate and review us, that is awesome. Please do that. So that way we can beat the algorithm and get out to more ears. All right. That's it for this month. Join us next month as... Actually, Sid, I think it's time. Huh? Well, do you remember when we finished MMPR finally? I took over the podcast and forced us to watch all the live-action cutie honey we could handle. Oh, yeah. Are you gonna do that again? Yes! I have another two-episode journey planned for us. One I think you might be more familiar with. I am up for that. Take the wheel. What are we doing? Well, next month, we're going to visit some true icons. It's time to Moon Prism Power Make Up. That's right. We are covering Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Until then, stay safe. Have a great start to your 2023 and may the power protect you. Go. Go. Go.